0: Creative Control with Vish Khan. Johnny's son is an architect, designer, engineer, artist, playwright, and comedy writer who originally calls Toronto home. Sun is currently a doctoral student at MIT, a fellow at the Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Society at Harvard, and a creative researcher at the Harvard Metal Lab where he studies social media and online community. He is a graduate of the Yale School of Architecture, where he was awarded many prizes and fellowships, and he is an honors graduate of the Infrastructure Program in Engineering Science at the University of Toronto. As impressive as all of those credentials are, for almost 500,000 of his followers on Twitter, Johnny Sun is a clever guy who is at the forefront of new forms of communication, language, and terminology. His new best-selling graphic novel is something of a meditation on the social media landscape. It's called Everyone's a Alien When You're a Alien Too and is available now via Harper Perennial. Johnny and I met in a street-side park in downtown Toronto recently to discuss his relationship with the city he once called Home, the importance of Second City and improv and sketch comedy to his outlook on life and his academic pursuits. His comedic influences, the state of social media and communication, his book, and much more. Sponsored by Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts, this is Johnny son on the 337th episode of Creative Control with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, John, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very well. It's nice to meet with you here. We're in a park in Toronto, essentially, uh, right across from A super fancy
1: hotel Uh uh-huh which uh you're not staying we both we're not staying at and we both walked into and we're like oh this is not not for me you You know i try to be
0: i try to be like those people but i can't be like (laughs) those people they have a different there's a guy with a bmw and the roof was coming up and i was like i can't even fathom any of it yeah
1: they just pay that guy to stay out there so just (laughs) just so they scare off people i guess every time you walk by this hotel there's a Slew of
0: fancy cars, oh, and I, I it's very intimidating. Yeah, on some level. I also don't care, <laughs> but I'm also a little intimidated. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you are you from Toronto?
1: Yes, Toronto, uh, not born but raised. Where, where are you from? So, I was born in Calgary, oh, but okay. I like moved to Toronto when I was 10 or 11. Okay, and so I've lived here all my teenage and most of my adult life, May, like in the city, yeah, right downtown. You're a actually. city guy, yeah, I'm a city boy. Oh, wow, yeah. and what's it like being back? I love it. Every time I'm back, it feels like home. Like, I feel way more comfortable and in my own skin and like I belong. This is your home. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a homing beacon
0: for you. Absolutely, yeah. When did you leave?
1: Uh, 2012.
0: Oh, you haven't been gone that long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the change that I've observed... I mean, you do you notice much of a difference?
1: Every time I come back, I, I, it's like an uncally, uncanny valley thing where yeah. like a few things change, and then <laughs> most, th- most things are kind of the same, but maybe a li- bit like older or something. Right. Um, so it, it definitely is different from the memory, but still do feels you, the do same. Do you have
0: particularly... F- like when you, I know you say it's home, it's familiar. Mm-hmm. Do you have yeah. particularly fond memories or uh, of Toronto or things you need to go and do or see? Oh,
1: man. I think... Every time I'm back, I like I'm back for like a few days, tops, right. and so like it's it's tough for me to like consistently go to things. Um, I like to go to Second City shows. Oh, um, when I can, uh, the Fringe is here is playing like right now, and I'm I'm missing the shows this time. But every time I'm back during Fringe, I like to go to see the Fringe shows. Is that your community? I was a member of th- those communities but it definitely those definitely were the places that I went to like uh-huh. to to um watch things and to to feel like I was part of something. Right. So yeah. Cuz you have yeah.
0: a com- you you're a comedian like what mm. what is your comedy background in this city if I mean it's those things obviously. Yeah,
1: yeah. So. Well, I did some um sort of training at Second City. I did some improv and sketch writing okay. and um I'd never done a fringe show but I was like an average fringe goer. Right. Um and what else? I I used to do sketch comedy with like a student group called School Night, which was over at the University of Toronto. Okay. And so we we were I was part of that for a while, and um, from that we kind of did a few sketch fest things and a few kind of like sketch comedy events around the city and stuff. Okay.
0: Yeah. And as a this was when you were a teenager or like Ye- in your twenties? Yeah, undergrad. Undergrad. Yeah, yeah. right yeah. Mm-hmm. What was your entry point into comedy?
1: My entry point into comedy. I mean, like yeah. as a fan. As a f- uh, oh, like a, as not a,
0: not necessarily as a performer, but I, I'm always because cur- for me it was going to my cousin's house in Scarborough. Yeah. Uh, we would drive from where I I, w- I was raised in Cambridge, Ontario. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's about an hour away. So my all my mom's uh, sisters and brothers lived in Scarborough. So yeah. we'd go. We drive there and we'd end up either staying over or coming home at like two in the morning. Yeah. So I got really used to that almost every weekend but one of the things that i first was exposed to from these trips was like saturday night live right yeah letterman even just the tv would be on and i'm like i don't think i'm now i'm like i don't think i should have been watching that stuff at that age but we just my cousins were older so they'd watch it yeah and that i was just hooked it just seemed
1: like a whole other i didn't know
0: that was on tv yeah that's right did you have something
1: like that yeah i think i had a few um when i was a kid i loved the muppet show oh of course and so like i would watch that every And I was way too young to actually understand. I just liked the Muppets, right? Right. right. And then, like every every few years, I go back and like rewatch some of the episodes I can find online or whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is this is an amazing show. This kind of like taught me sketch comedy and it taught me variety show and it taught me like all these um, different lessons. I think that I must have picked up when I started watching. So the Muppet Show was huge. Um, Also, like Jackie Chan movies. Oh, interesting. Um, I guess like growing up as, like, my family immigrated from China. Oh, okay. And so I was a child of immigrants. Um, And I think Jackie Chan movies are, like, one thing that kind of, like, crossed the bridge, right? Like, kind of closed the gap. Slapstick,
0: physical comedy. Yeah.
1: Action. Right, exactly. And and so, like, I didn't, I never thought of it as comedy, really, but it was. It was... This would be, like the original Jackie Chan movie, so to speak, not though? Yeah. One, or was,
0: was it the ones when he came here? It was both. It was both. like okay. Rumble
1: in the Bronx, oh, okay. um, Drunken Master... The, that type of air like super cop yes um yes. and then like later uh shanghai nights shanghai Is that the one with owen wilson yeah, yeah right. uh, rush hour right of course like Bruce Tucker, the yeah. american kind of versions of all his chinese stuff right but yeah I, I think that i've never thought of, that i've never been asked that question but that was that's kind of one of the
0: so when you saw someone who represents your culture so yeah. to speak your background uh performing comedy in america and being accepted what does that do for you i mean did you ever feel alienated about your oh absolutely yeah Yeah,
1: like i mean coming into comedy a lot of the things that i noticed um when i started like doing comedy um was that like my identity kind of precluded like what i wanted to do oh right of course Like, I i wanted to like i mainly enjoyed writing um but i felt like a lot of jokes or parts in sketches that I was in um, kind of sometimes used like my Asian identity as like the punchline yes. or kind of, I was asked to do like accents and kind of, kind of stuff like that. And yeah. you're, you're like rolling I'm your eyes because you are familiar. Same thing. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I also developed, sort of survival techniques, self-defense mm-hmm. as a kid, where it's like the scene in 8 Mile where Eminem yeah. takes all the stuff that's going to come at him at the end scene and then he just puts it into a freestyle about the... You know what I'm talking that's about? That's right, yeah. I did a lot of that. Yeah. I think I did a lot of stuff that I now would be like, I can't believe what a Uncle Raj I was. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> yeah. playing up uh, what the white, the white kids in my school would have thought was funny. And right, yeah. Downplaying my culture. And it wasn't until university where I people expressed a mature right, interest and decorum about my culture and sure. be like, oh, my God, like, it must have been so amazing growing up
1: East yeah, Indian. And I'd yeah. be like,
0: oh, I took it for granted because sure. I just yeah. was in a defensive state about right. it, right? You yeah. Know? Yeah. So did you have that?
1: I definitely had the defensive state. I, I don't think I like, because I think I saw a lot of, like, my friends or, like, my peers um, who are Asian-Canadian kind of play up those things but for me i was like whenever someone um made some sort of like even like slight hint at that's like at the thing that that was the thing that they were going for i would kind of like immediately like try to shut it off right and shut it down and um it which is which was a survival tactic but for me also i realized i was i guess trying to be trying to show white people that i was white as well which is like the other end of the spectrum which is kind of like the other problem too and so like <laughs> it's
0: there's no winning <laughs> there's no real winning and, and people like we live in a a multicultural country a yeah. multicultural this toronto is known as one of the most multicultural cities i mean mm-hmm. there was a certain level i think maybe more so than some of our contemporaries in other places i think there was a uh, some kind of inherent acceptance of yeah. us but also I think that confusion and it yeah. creates tension between people just Absolutely. walking down the street. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. D- so you, your entry point in the comedy was Jackie Chan uh, as a fan. Yeah. How do you proceed as a performer? How do you get into
1: it? Yeah. I, um, I mean, as, as I got older and like throughout my, in high school I was really into sketch comedy and I was into not only like Saturday Night Live which seems to be like the thing like every high schooler interested in comedy has like the phase where SNL is like their kind of No, it's a late
0: night show you're probably not supposed to be up that late and it just felt rebellious at one point
1: yeah Yeah, and like if you can get a group of friends to watch it together then it becomes like this like religious experience almost like every Saturday night you go to church and you you watch this (laughs) thing and for better or for worse you stick with it um and so there was that there was Mad TV which I didn't watch a lot but I was still on TV yep. and um, was there um, but it had a very uh, significantly diverse cast compared to SNL that's right. I thought. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and, and it worked with those with that cast really well in some degrees I think did you in watch M&S? In Living Color? I didn't oh, I, I was too young for that I watched I caught the reruns and stuff and yeah. I kind of loved watching those when they were on I think on, that's but.
0: what prompted them to take a chance on Mad TV oh, interesting In Living Color also had to well, obviously it was a African-American-led yeah. show, but it was a diverse cast as well. Right, absolutely. And at the time... I was a kid too so yeah. maybe I didn't process like you mentioned the Muppets yeah. which was big for me but also the Simpsons these shows that seem yeah. to be for kids yeah that's right but then you watch them like there's just stuff I get now that I wouldn't oh, have gotten oh absolutely yeah the Simpsons um, was
1: another one like yeah. I used to come home like after elementary school and turn it on before my parents got home it was so weird yeah <laughs> I
0: had a thing I've
1: talked about this before but there was a thing where on in syndicated TV it was like Cheers
0: and Night Court and the Simpsons mm-hmm. things I probably shouldn't have been right. watching the Simpsons is is you know it's it's out there on it some is. level yeah, and it's, absolutely. it's mind blowing on some yeah. level and it turned me into a punk you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> it totally did yeah so you had you had those things okay
1: mm-hmm. and then but and then in like high school I, I fell in love with sketch mainly through snl okay but then because youtube existed then um right. like i was able to kind of find all these other shows um like there was one called the Miclef Program, okay. Which was Sean McClough from Australia. Oh, he yes, was, like, this yes. Australian sketch comedy um, person who, like, did total, like, absurdist, surreal humor, like, a very Australian style. And right. it was brilliant and I think is totally part of my, um, like, my comedy DNA now. Okay. Um, there was uh, Fry and Laurie, um, some of the British kind of sketch groups, um, Peep Show. I'm trying to think of what else. And then, like, the and then there was a, group of like youtube sketch people like Derek comedy which was donald glover's original group right right um and britannic and kind of like those youtube sketch people the lonely island of course right um good neighbor was another one who and they're now on snl yeah 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 But that was also a core of it so so
0: was there something about the fact that these
1: platforms were accessible and that people were doing things themselves was that inspiring for you i i don't even think i registered it at that level i just thought like this is really good stuff that i find really funny and for whatever reason like speaks to my sense of humor um that i could find that i and part of like the act of actually searching for these things and like to, like having it have a little bit of effort to get to yeah um was really appealing for me because i liked the idea of like working to find these things and like following like this treasure trail almost to find all these different sketches right um as opposed to just tuning in and watching whatever like more of a passive kind of yeah. consumption yeah um, there was something really cool about like this active act of having to search for the good it's stuff the on same like. for,
0: that was for the same for me for comedy and music yeah right? i wasn't as comfortable, just taking what was presented to me. I wanted to try to dig and find stuff as much as I could. In right. my youth, I now I'm a bit more passive. <laughs> I just, <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that came my way. I'm going to check that out. Right. Uh, you often write and talk about alienation mm-hmm. and loneliness. Mm-hmm. I'm struck by the fact that you were drawn to sketch, which is ensemble yeah. work. Was that significant for you? I think so. Yeah. Group work. Yeah. Because yeah. I'd
1: never, even when I was watching sketch, I'd never imagined that I'd be able to do something like that. Um, and it it really like I started out I think my like my interest in comedy started out from the writing standpoint and so when I was watching Mm. these sketch things I would um just like as a teenager write sketches in my room and write like different comedy scripts and scenes and little plays and things Mm. um but it wasn't till I started kind of going to drama class and going to theater class in high school and like um learning how to like play with the other kids and being in an environment actually that allowed me to kind of play yeah. with the other kids in a way I felt like in high school I didn't really know where I belonged I didn't feel like I belonged yeah. at all um and I had a lot of trouble just like fitting into groups and so theater or like drama class was like my favorite oh, time of day because it was this um this way where it's almost like a prescribed like way of interacting with people, or yeah. it, it gave you permission to kind of be open and honest, and that was encouraged. Right. Whereas, like everywhere else in high school, that was kind of, um, not encouraged as much. <laughs> Discouraged maybe, Discouraged, or not yeah. as emphasized. At right. Least. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like theater was like the other element of like my comedy DNA. Where like w- when I got into drama class, my favorite things were like the comedic kind of one acts, yeah. like David Ives, um, I think Daniel McIver. Uh, and then, the, like, the theater of the absurd. Right. Guys. Yeah, I you like, like absurdist stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So you mentioned you're a teenager writing these sketches in your room. <laughs> yeah. w- were there other teenagers you knew doing anything like that? I
1: I mean, I never really, like... You didn't go out and find people. I didn't go out people. and find people. And that really only happened in um, in university when I started... There was, like, a school night was that student sketch comedy group that I Wait, so even
0: in those drama classes in high school, like, you
1: weren't galvanized? Did you make friends? I made friends, yeah. Yeah. I think we, like, and we all, we actually did a few. There were, like, a lot of group projects where you, like, wrote together, but I don't think I, like, ever got into, like, this habit of, like, finding my people and, like, writing Mm, with them. Okay. Um, It wasn't until grade 12 when I met my friend... um, Kevin Vidal, who's now like a second city guy, and Mm -hmm. he's in Working Moms and stuff. Um, But we hit it off right away. We were both like we were cast as like the two leads in the High School Musical in grade twelve, and that was the first time I feel like I found like a kindred spirit in in terms of someone who wanted to do comedy and who was thinking about like how to um, write in those ways and perform in those ways. And so he, him, and I like he was really my like the person that I like learned how to work with someone.
0: That's cool. cool. That's good. You need someone like that. Exactly. Yeah. Often you find one person. Really. Yeah. It's not a
1: matter of getting a huge group of people. But you find one person, and then it like it spins off into all the other stuff. It's like a chemistry or whatever. Yeah. And And we wrote. We were writing, and then like so we would get together and like talk about comedy and watch SNL and write sketch all through grade twelve, and then. Um, throughout through undergrad as well. Did you go so. to did you go to school together? We didn't, but oh, okay. we were part of we both did school night together. Oh, so we okay. both did that sketch comedy group together. Okay, yeah. so you
0: went to the U of T initially after yes. high school? Yes. And what was your major?
1: Engineering. Engineering. Yeah. And did you have minors? Did you take electives and stuff? Um I did what did I do? Um, I did a <laughs> few like I think I did a few like I didn't actually do any theater. No, you didn't. Things, no. English, nothing. Uh, no, because engineering is all encompassing. It's very intensive. They yeah. don't give you if they're minors. They're like minors in other engineering fields. You can take electives <laughs> in engineering, can't you? you like can. you could. There but are would a few be... arts things, but like for the most part, it's. Right. I think I took like a philosophy of aesthetics course. I took an architecture course. Um, I took like an art theory course. Okay. Um, but then in terms of like the actual theater school, I think everything was more intensive and it overlapped with like most of the engineering classes. So did
0: you say philosophy of
1: aesthetics? Yeah. What does that mean? I still don't really know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask you about your philosophical background. Sure. I just wondered if you'd studied philosophy. And is that the most you've done? That's the most I've done. Just because it has it in the name. I don't even know if that is that technically philosophy. It was
1: it was much more of a philosophy class than it was like an art. theory Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so I felt a little bit lost because I thought we'd be talking more about like art and (laughs) aesthetics, but it was more the, on the philosophy right. side. So.
0: Now, for those who aren't familiar with you, uh, it's I think, and I don't mean to embarrass you here, yeah. and, and forgive me. Okay. <laughs> so you go to UAT, and then the next thing I know, when you look at your credits, mm. I see Yale?
1: Yeah, I, went, I did my Master's of Architecture there. Yale, and then yeah. I've seen Harvard? Uh, I'm a fellow at Harvard right now. There's a center called the Berkman Klein Center, uh-huh. and it's uh, a center that, it's called the Berkman Klein Center of Internet and Society. And they look at, like, online issues, but from, like, a social perspective. Oh, I
0: see. Yeah. Was this because of your, I mean, we'll get to this shortly, but is this because of your social media presence? Uh, Partly, but it's also
1: because I'm doing my doctorate um, at MIT, and I'm looking at, like, online communities there. So, So, yeah. So, you got UT. (laughs) Yeah. You got uh, Yale. Yeah. You got Harvard. Yeah. And you got MIT. Yes. That's all you.
0: Yes. How is that? Should I even be allowed to talk <laughs> to you right course, now? Shouldn't no. you be saying at the I fancy I feel like I hotel? shouldn't be
1: allowed to be in those schools. Like <laughs> I've, I've, I've constantly been going through all this stuff with the fear that eventually someone I'll get an email being like, "Oh, we like we messed up big time. There was another person we should have let in." Clearly, a very smart man. Thank I, you. I don't mean yeah. to
0: embarrass you, yeah. but like these are the schools that don't let in uh, people like me. They let in people who are sure. smart. Yeah, I'm smart. I'm not I think dumb. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. No, that's an amazing background to Thank have, you, yeah. and and so right now you're at MIT studying.
1: Um, technically, I'm in the Department of Urban Studies and Planning, but I'm looking at online communities and the ways uh, like groups that form online yeah. can have an effect on like the real city environment. Okay. Yeah. So let's. I'm
0: trying to figure out if there's a thread between you and comedy and finding communities, uh, and and then just being a superstar at school and Mm. then wanting to again further explore communities i mean i think a lot of people know you from your your twitter feed in uh particular Mm. talk about i know this sounds ridiculous because i don't remember when i joined twitter sure yeah i remember being reluctant to join twitter Uh i i thought it was just another thing yeah Yeah. yeah. but you you joined twitter at what i don't know when you did it i Mm -hmm. can't remember yeah what was it about the platform that seemed to bring something out of you
1: that maybe... Because is, is it a Twitter that basically made you a superstar? Well, I mean, Twitter was the place that I figured out, um, I think, a, a specific voice and a specific style. Okay. I, I found really interesting um, to write through. I joined Twitter in, like, 2008. And okay, And it Early. was kind of... It was when twitter was like the hot new thing and like my like i just graduated high school and a bunch of my friends went in different like went to different places in different cities and that was we were like let's all join twitter and like try to keep in touch that way right and so for the for like four years after that that was how i was using it i was just trying to be like i was like i just wrote like eating a sandwich or like sure just saw a good movie at like the bloor cinema which is now something else the hot Docs cinema uh,
0: the bloor cinema yeah i think that's right yeah, 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 yeah.
1: um yeah, and, like, I was just tweeting about my day and, like, trying to keep in touch with my friends.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zeppound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. you have an Airbnb.
1: Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, and that was all while I was still in Toronto and I was still writing comedy and you stuff. You were doing right? what most people did. Taking yeah. pictures of the food, just saying I got home from a thing, whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. Status so update. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And And while I was being like a normal person on Twitter, I started following... Like, just, like, big comedy accounts, and eventually I started finding other stranger comedy accounts that, like, were just popping up, like, native to Twitter. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. Not, not like, stand-up comedians who were telling jokes on Twitter, but really just, like, anonymous people who had found Twitter and started writing hilarious, The weird things. Twitter, as I heard it? Yeah, the, quote, <laughs> weird Twitter, unquote, <laughs> people. Um, and I'd been following them for a while, and yeah. I was like, this is kind of fun. Um, but it wasn't until I moved to the U.S. Uh, for architecture school that I... Uh, I lost because i moved i couldn't like hang out with my comedy friends in toronto Here, or anymore. yeah right um so i needed a place to write comedy mm-hmm. and i thought well i'm like i'm following all these like weird surreal absurd kind of joke tellers on twitter so i want to i guess i'll play and try to like write with them and like see if i can be part of that kind of large internet writers room which is how i still see twitter in a yes, way. yes right um and so that was that was when i started i guess like messing with um I guess like the aesthetic of the text, right. the, the way um, I was really interested in how, like, I mean, everyone is kind of messing up that stuff when I started. You mean playing the misspelling, the misspellings, and like the grammatical structures, and just like looking at how um, the text reads as yeah. like a joke. Yeah. And I think paying more attention to what the text looked like, because uh, Twitter is, to me, notable as a comedy writer because it's one of the only platforms where like you you read the joke instead of like hearing it or right. have it performed right. to you right like right. Um, a lot of, so much of it is dependent on how the reader kind of processes the words that they see mm-hmm. and so they were so like all these p- accounts were playing with um, just like syntax and like even just like lower casing everything no it, punctuation you only exactly. had 140 characters yeah. yeah creates a different voice right yeah absolutely and so yeah. i was yeah. interested in that and so i just started playing with them and that's i, I just kind of kept at it because i found it really fun and rewarding right and i was able to i think figure out a voice that i really liked and figure out like a way to um translate my thoughts and ideas into something that i found like fun but you you essentially in finding your voice you yeah. Sort of created a at
0: least uh, visually a new vocabulary. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm supposed to pronounce all the ends and the b's. Yeah, I have no idea either. I've never like I've never
1: <laughs> until like right now I've never had to think about how to pronounce any of this stuff. <laughs> so you, you, this was just fun, like just yeah.
0: making up a kind of nonsense. It was yeah, but but, yeah. but at the same time, exploring the notion that within this. Visual minefield. Mm-hmm. There's meaning that can be derived. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And like
1: the the type of like the ways I developed the like the typos for it. Um, it took a while, but I I was really interested in kind of like keyboard based typos, if that makes sense. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. A Your lot slip of slip of the finger. Yeah, slip of the finger, fat thumbs kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. So a lot of the the things that I found really fun. Um, because, like, at that time, everyone was sharing, like, politicians' tweets that had typos in them. and Right, mistakes. I was, yeah. yeah, and yeah. all these different mistakes. And I thought there was something really compelling about that as well. Right. And so I, I tried to, like, take elements of that and figure out how to craft it. But it, it really was, like, for me, a writing exercise more than anything. Right. Um, it was just I wanted – like, architecture school is just as all-encompassing as engineering. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted um, a place to, like, just – every day where I could, like, maybe try to write a joke and try to keep, like, hone that and keep that up while I was, like, starving myself being an architecture student. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So when you talk about authority
0: figures kind of fumbling uh, their te- their tweets yeah. or their text, uh, and then you as a younger person trying to delve into it a little yeah. bit, maybe exploit that mm-hmm. sort of scene... Mm-hmm. Are you, and this is a big question, I don't know if you've thought this much about it, but are you making any commentary on how younger people use texting and, 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 I mean, text and texting? Like, we're constantly, I hear all sorts of weird things about our attention spans, and, you know, uh, I haven't heard it in a while, but people were lamenting um, what was going to happen to books and tangible stuff, because people were just moving on quickly, they're binge-watching, or they're Mm -hmm. binge-reading, and then they don't, process but i feel like we're more immersed in language and words than ever it's like the opposite of what i think was being portrayed right Um, but anyway are you are you saying anything do you think about your generation and their relation to text by including this misspelling and and whatnot yeah
1: i think so absolutely i think i have like the thing that i've um really fallen in love with um just through the way people communicate on social media is that um like new language new dialects and new like languages and systems of of communicating are like just popping up or just maybe getting seen by more people right like there's um i think new terminology comes up so much now and so quickly um like one example is like on fleek which was um popularized by this black viner named peaches monroe and that is really interesting because she had this viral Vine um, blow up and everyone thought fleek was, like, a great term and they yeah. started using it. And yeah. she made no money off of it. And it, it was both about, like, the rise of, like, this new language that came from, like, a specific subset or culture on the internet, but also how um, no one kind of credited her for creating that language and everyone else was trying to, like, monetize it eventually. Right. Um, but I am really interested in how, like, I think for me the idea of, the kind of like you called it like this wall of nonsense in a way Um, (laughs) which I I really love Uh, but that definitely plays into how I was interested in how people were still able to read the meaning in it even if there if even if it was messed up and um, I found that there's so much you can infer even if like the actual type is kind of wrong.
0: Yeah, I, I, but I'm, I guess I'm also curious about it in relation to snobbery or, or an intellectual argument yeah, about totally, it. Yeah, yeah. B- because I do think that, um, obviously, we're living in a very strange time. Yeah. And uh, the way people communicate and process fact and fiction and information mm-hmm. is very yeah. odd. Yeah. Yeah. I have noticed, like every week when I'm looking at my Twitter yeah. feed, someone's counter to some, let's say, Trump supporter or yeah. alt-right person yeah. is to be like, you're not your or yeah. there not there yeah. so there's still this like and there's
1: i there's like an educational like elitism kind of thing yeah. and i'm
0: conflicted about that because i'm this i'm like yeah like I, if i have to process a resume and someone gets something wrong and yeah. they're 18 i'm still like ah yeah there's got to be a qc there's mm-hmm. got to be some quality control here
1: yeah at the
0: same time i think you're and people like you are upending that yeah and i don't know if it's good or not i'm yeah, confused yeah, like, yeah. i don't know if if I raise children, you know, and yeah. I'm trying to teach them how to read and write and spell, right. and I, <laughs> I see this proliferation of like it's okay to just, cause Do some whatever, of it yeah, yeah, some of it's a little like uh, I don't know if it's nihilistic or what. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, there's a Do bit of. Do you know what I mean? Nihilism, yeah. Like, so I'm conflicted. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not despairing. Oh no, no, no. Doing, no yeah. But I'm also just like, I think it's funny. Yeah. As a as a guy who likes comedy and yeah. humor, but I also. Now I'm just becoming like a dad rock guy. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm the dad now. I'm like, yeah, what is no, this actually it. saying? Yeah. If no one can, no one cares if anything's spelled right.
1: right. Well, I think I've always operated on the assumption that um, there is a base level of like what is supposed to be, like what is what the the right way to the quote proper way to do things unquote is um, with with language. And like for me, I think the original appeal of um, like creating like an uncharacteristic voice or like a like typos and lowercase unconventional, and voice unconventional yeah. Yeah. yeah um and both with what i was doing and with what like a lot of the twitter people like the quote weird twitter unquote people were <laughs> doing okay. um was it was like a direct kind of comment against um like the very careful carefully constructed like branded language of corporations of like professional figures of comedians of politicians of like basically all the people who are on Twitter to try to gain something from it. Yeah. As opposed to just people who are on Twitter for the fun of it. Right. And so that, that was like the, I think that was the original, um, the original mission was to be, right. Was to speak against that. Right. To Disempower speak. them a little bit. Yeah. Like
0: in terms of their infiltration of the medium. Yeah. for some high minded or whatever, just selfish goal. Right. Exactly. Just like actually this place is absurd yeah. and ridiculous <laughs> and Yeah. And we should play there. (laughs) (laughs) So, you've written this book that Uh uh, ostensibly that's why we're here to chat today. True, yeah. And uh, uh, first of all, can you talk about what inspired? Because, in in reading the kind of coverage of the book, Mm -hmm. some people view it as an extension of what you've done on Twitter, Uh some people are baffled by a completely sure, yeah. uh
1: what's your take on, my take on, on this it? thing um well my, i guess my like take on it was uh, being on twitter for four years now doing like the things that i do on there uh has been essentially a way for me as a writer to like figure out um like how like what i want to write about things i enjoy writing about um and it, i like treat twitter as like a writer's diary almost right like um it's just like the daily kind of output Right, it's you're you're not really. I'm not really thinking about it. It's just like whatever comes across throughout the day. Yeah, you I'll had have a this. Place r- to track it. I read this interview with you recently, and
0: you had this remarkable quote about how I think the question was like, "What's your favorite book?" And you said something like, uh, "My favorite book is probably like a writer or an artist notebook, yeah. like a blank notebook filled by a writer or artist." Yeah could be the most compelling thing yeah. just them sketching right and writing just ideas down right that would fascinate you the most yeah absolutely so twitter
1: your your interaction with twitter is in a sense kind of like kind of a writer's sketchbook yeah, yeah, yeah it's, that's fascinating yeah it's kind of just like ideas that i think are interesting that i'll try to put out there in some form mm-hmm. and um we'll just let th- we'll let it sit there like i don't mm-hmm. see twitter as um like a primary creative um like final output it's like a, a process
0: oriented medium to you yeah for me yeah, yeah it's and, fascinating. and as
1: like for i think i try to approach it just as a writer so i am I'm, I'm just using it as a way to like figure out yeah develop my voice and figure out what i want to talk about that's interesting because yeah. i think some people
0: who use it and are semi-successful yeah. at it so to speak that's just it how do you grade success on a process-oriented vehicle i, I mean know. i guess the tweets retweets yeah. and the likes it kind of can discourage some people from actually putting those ideas out there because oh no one that didn't resonate with anyone right that idea must be bad yeah exactly and then it
1: might just die yeah because you get the instant judgment exactly and there's such like a danger it's like a an appeal and a danger of like seeing all the numbers immediately right like i know a lot of people who run their twitter accounts and like are obsessed with like the data and like seeing the metrics and seeing how the tweet does and Mm -hmm. seeing if it like connects with audiences and stuff and for me it's less um i'm less focused on that because I, I don't think i'm trying to like run a business on twitter i don't think i'm trying to like um create like a brand on twitter i, I feel like i'm just putting stuff out there yeah. to see what like kind of just to see if it if i like it and to see if it connects with some people or not right okay um, how is the book related to how you uh, employ twitter after being on Twitter for this long, I was, I was kind of like I, what is the project that like is coming out of this or what what I, it's not necessarily what does it lead to but um, as I was working on Twitter, I was like I, I feel like I want now that all this work kind of exists in sort of sketch form, um, how do I like kind of coalesce it into like an actual, Narrative or like a single object in a way Mm -hmm. and so the book kind of was the result of that for a while I wanted it to be a webcomic and I wanted it to be like just a weekly thing where I took Some an idea that I put on Twitter and I illustrated it and put it online Mm -hmm. Um, But I was thinking about as I was thinking about that I realized that it would be more fun and maybe more challenging to try to do it as like a traditional kind of narrative story something with with a beginning middle end and and I guess looking through uh, like the tweets and stuff Your i own found, tweets? Yeah, my own yeah. tweets um, I found like common threads and certain pieces that I want to include um, in the book and I started so those became like little landmarks and then the challenge was how to like how do I weave a story through these things I already know I want to put in the book, right? And create like this this full narrative. The primary
0: character is an alien, or sorry, uh, alien. Sure. And, <laughs> uh, talk about the alien. Yeah, the, the alien is. Um, I mean, he's so one of many. He or she is one of many mm-hmm, characters. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah.
1: Yeah, and the alien is um, a tribute to the listener and like the quiet outsider. Um, I th- I thought it was really fun to write a protagonist who. Mainly doesn't further the action. Like they're they're observing. He's uh, an observer, and yeah. that's what his purpose is. Really. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. He's he or she. Yeah. They're. Saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The alien's, um, yeah, the aliens <laughs> there to kind of just witness and to right. to to see. And um, it was kind of this joyful thing. I really like. I liked the story of having someone there who um, everything was happening around them. Yeah. And. They kind of like come in and uh, see a bunch of stuff and then maybe slightly affect the outcome of stuff. But it's very autobiographical in the sense that I feel like entering some of these worlds and communities. um, I've always felt like the outsider and I've always felt like someone on the periphery of all the action. And so I wanted to write a story that kind of reflected that. You relate the most to the hedgehog, though? Yes. Yeah, I mean, as, as I was writing it, I was thinking about like what it meant to try to create this thing out yeah. of nothing. And the Hedgehog is kind of like the insecurities of, um, I think, any like uh, n- beginner artist. I see, okay. Um, and so I, I maybe selfishly put all those insecurities into the book as a different character. Okay. Um, but yeah, that definitely was um, the, the character I related to the most while I was working on it.
0: Uh, my reading of the book and uh-huh. the landscape
1: in particular yeah.
0: is that it could be a stand-in for the internet.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. There's a huge, uh, there's a huge kind of, for me, there was a huge intentional uh, metaphor for, especially the social media kind of internet, yeah. um, where the narrative structure of the book is, um, a direct kind of, uh, mapping of the narrative structure of like a timeline, um, a Twitter timeline, or an Instagram timeline or whatever. Um, sure, right. It's kind of the, the structure of it is like, uh, like a an alien comes to earth or a user like follows a bunch of different um characters they encounter and then you just see their stories pop up interspersed and amongst all the other things so that's kind of the narrative structure that the book takes too yeah yeah Where like it's not split into chapters like this is the hedgehog chapter this is the egg chapter this is um whatever but it's it's really like sort of episodic yeah 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 and like you see all these small updates and it's up to the reader to kind of, like, parse it out and, That's like, keep track of everything. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: fascinating. So we talked about your comedy, uh-huh.
1: uh, your interest in comedy, and potentially your, your influence as a,
0: a comedian, as a writer, yeah. graphically. Yeah. Talk about your, your illustrative or graphic mm-hmm. inspirations. I'm just
1: curious. Yeah. So, like, I, I did the book as kind of a tribute to all the books that I read when I was a kid. Like, all the writer-illustrators I was interested in as a kid, like yeah. uh, Shel Silverstein... Bill Watterson's Calvin and Hobbes um, Morris Sendak was another one uh, like the Winnie the Pooh kind of series so all those kind of that was kind of like the visual DNA and um, the other part of like I'm obsessed with just like very simple line drawings and as an illustrator I'd done a lot of work um, before doing this book in kind of figuring out what that looked like and I'd, I'd done some street arts and some installations and just illustrated pieces that were all kind of focused around those ideas Right. and those came from like Different architects and um, the kind of minimalist styles they employed, and also some street artists. Like, um, there's a street artist named Blue, who is a I believe he's a French street artist who does like these very simple but intricate black and white line drawings Okay. Um, so I think all those kind of influences coalesced into the style okay. as well yeah.
0: well I know you have to go yeah. so uh, our time in the park is ending sure uh,
1: what's next for you can you talk about Ooh. that you've got school I, yeah. do you have other uh, is the book doing well are you happy with how it's being is? I'm, very, I'm yeah. very happy with the book I'm blown away with the fact that people are reading it just yeah. like Regardless of <laughs> anything It's um, crazy when
0: you make something and people actually process it Yeah, exactly
1: yeah. And so I, I'm really happy with how the book's doing um, I think I have to focus on school for a little bit Okay uh, but at the same time, I'm kind of just... I'm, I think I get to take the chance to take a little bit of a creative break yeah. uh, for a few months and just wait to see what um, becomes interesting next. Okay. Because that's kind of how the book came about. It was kind of just like, I really want to do this. Organically. And now, yeah, now I, have to, I feel like I have to do it because <laughs> I've been thinking about it so much. Right. So I'm trying to th- wait to see what happens okay. next. Okay. Yeah. Where can people learn more about you uh, on the internet and on uh, Twitter? <laughs> yeah, on Twitter, <laughs> I'm at Johnny Sun. Uh, I have an Instagram account too, but uh, I—that's I, kind of less active. But that's Jomney Sun. Right. And then my book's called *Everyone's an Alien* when you're an alien too. Um, if you search for it, it's the one that has the misspelled title. <laughs> that's right. Okay. And that's available everywhere. Do you have like Jonathan a website? Uh, yeah, I do have a website. Uh, my personal is jonathan-sun.com, and then my like Twitter associated one is jomny-sun.com. Okay. All right. Yeah.
0: John, this was a, a, a pleasure. Thank yeah, you for thank making you so time much. for being with me in this park, and I hope you have a beautiful day and a wonderful life.
1: Thank you, thank you, you too, thank you. <laughs> Special thanks again to Johnny's
0: son for making time to be on this show and uh, to have a chat with me, and also the uh, the fine people at HarperCollins Canada for setting that up. Again, Johnny's new book is called "Everyone's a Alien When You're a Alien Too," and it's great. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed reading it. I'm going to read it again because there's stuff in there that I missed I think the first time and I want to get it after having this conversation with him I feel like there's more to it. So anyway, thank you Johnny and thank you HarperCollins and uh, yeah, follow him on Twitter obviously and uh, check out his book. Great, great stuff. This is the 337th episode of the Creative Control Podcast which is available on things like iTunes, Audio Boom, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast and all your finer podcast platforms. It's also uh, uh, on my website, vishkana.com, where you can learn more about me and the show. And if uh, you're missing any episodes, they should all be there. You can like Creative Control of Vishkana on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at vishcreative or at vishkana. And a version of this show airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at cfru.ca or if you're in the uh, Guelph area, 93.3 FM on your radio dial also you can go to patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to the program and in return I will send you a t-shirt so let me know if you've made your donation and we can work something out this episode would not be possible without our sponsors pizza trocadero whom you can call for pickup or delivery at 519-829-2444 or check them out at trocadero guelph.ca amazing pizza in guelph and The Bookshelf, an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, and movie theater located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Learn more about them at bookshelf.ca. Planet Bean, freshly roasted Fairtrade certified organic coffee. For more information about them, visit planetbeancoffee.com. And Granddad's Donuts located at 574 James Street North in Hamilton, Ontario. Amazing, incredible donuts. In fact... I recall after this Johnny Sun conversation that I went to Granddad's Donuts and asked them to be a sponsor, and they said yes, and I ate some donuts, and they gave me a bagel sandwich for free as part of the deal. So, they're great. Visit granddads.ca for more information about Granddad's Donuts. All right, that's it for me. Thanks for listening to the show, and uh, continue to listen to the show and tell your friends about the show, and subscribe to the show on all your podcast platforms, download episodes, download episodes. Rate the show. Review the show. Apparently it all helps do something. And I appreciate it. So thank you. Talk to you soon. Goodbye for now.